Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Untucked. Uh, today in Coach's Corner, we're going to talk about <clears throat> some work that um, other financial planners are doing in an attempt to change regulatory standards around the usage of the, the term financial advisor, who it applies to, and how we think that could ultimately help consumers. Um, we're going to talk about Pandora's Papers. And uh, finally, we're going to wrap it up with a discussion on um, food preparation and whether or not we enjoy being cooked for or cooking for ourselves more. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 58 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. Did you guys know that what's like like what's inside a Kit Kat? Like the wafers? Well, it's actually broken Kit Kats that are damaged in production get ground up and they get put in between the wafers of Kit Kats inside Kit Kats. Huh? <laughs> Wait, like, okay, so the wafers, what you're talking about is what's in between each wafer layer. Yeah. Is ground up. Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Yeah. Check it out. The next ground time. up Kit Kats with wafers with ground up Kit Kats? Yeah. Wow. Wild. <laughs> Where do Kit Kats fall on your candy list? Pretty they're, high up there. They're like second for me. They're really? two behind Reese's. Mm-hmm. Well, I, like I think number one for me is a whatchamacallit, which is very similar to a Kit Kat, just like bigger. What is that? Actually, I don't even know if it's similar to a Kit Kat now that I think about it. It's a bar. It's a bar. It's like a candy bar. Mm-hmm. But it's not like your typical candy bar where like a like a, like a a Baby Ruth or a Milky Way where it's just like a lot of... It's more wafer-ish, I believe, a Kit Kat. kind of light. It's got some crackle to it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What about you? What's your favorite candy? I'm a Reese's number one. Yeah. And then peanut not, butter cup or Reese's pieces. No, no. Oh. I hate the pieces. Pieces are stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so good. the peanut butter M and M's are far superior to a Reese's pieces. I, I, I true. I like them all, man. I mean, I, like anything peanut butter chocolate related. I, I mean, I sure. I don't really put low on a list. Like I like a Reese's pieces. Are you a Musketeer guy? Like a three, three musketeer. No, I don't like a candy. Is that bar. peanut butter? Is that like a nougat? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nougat bag. <laughs> yeah, I don't like a nougat. I don't like a caramel or a caramel, however you say it. I can get down with a Twix, but that's because it's it's got like it's not a wafer. What it's like a cookie. Yeah. In yeah. the chocolate. Cookie crumble. Yeah, and then like a little bit of caramel. Caramel, not caramel. Yeah, the caramel throws it off for me. I'm not a huge caramel fan, and I just don't. I don't think it has any place inside a candy bar. <laughs> All, All right. right. Yeah, so check out your kick, your, your Kit Kat, the inside, next time you, you have one. Philly sports. Birds with a, with a tough loss to the Chiefs. I don't think anybody um, didn't see that coming, right? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Bittersweet for me. I put 100 bucks on the Chiefs and, and won that bet. So, which I felt really dirty doing. Yeah. Like even like during the game, like my 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 13 year old was looking at me like I was a complete traitor when he found out that I put money on the Chiefs. Um, and I, I didn't like it. Like I didn't like rooting against the birds. Were you actually, rooting against them? No, I was actually rooting for them. Yeah. Um, like I wouldn't have been crushed if they lost. I mean, if they won. Um, it just it didn't sit right. I'll probably never do it again. It's the beauty of betting, though. You can root with your heart and bet with your head. Yeah. So did they actually, the defense failed to stop Kansas City on, so Kansas City converted every third down. They didn't punt one time, right? Is that true? I I believe that the entire game, they did not have any punts and they just went, went up and down the field at will. Yeah. So you can't win. You can, I don't think it's yeah. possible to win if you don't stop even one time on a third down. No, and it wasn't it wasn't close. I mean, the score was yeah. 42 to 30. Yeah. The Birds scored a late touchdown which yeah. was junk. Um Yeah, it it wasn't close. Um What do you I mean, what's what's your take on this team? Are we Do we stink? Do they stink? I mean, I know they stink. I just didn't think they were going to be they're this They're average. Bad. Seven and nine. You think they're average? I think they're below average. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think... I don't think they get seven dubs. They'll accidentally win a few games. So, Mike, Mike said last pod that he thought they would be 500. Yeah. But I, then I, he kind of walked that back. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So we got... We. They have Panthers. Are the, the Panthers are good, aren't they? Yeah, but the Panthers may not have Christian McCaffrey. So they have a shot. They have a shot this, this week. The Buccaneers. Brains beat him. Raiders. They might beat the Raiders. Raiders just lost their first game of the season on Sun- on Monday. I know. I, I took them. And they lost. Lions might be a win. Chargers are playing well. Broncos? Loss. Saints? Chargers are going to destroy them. I said Chargers. I said yeah, Broncos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But don't the Redskins and Giants both suck pretty much? Yeah. So they, they got four. There's four opportunities for wins. Yep. But, like, I think the Eagles suck, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's a toss-up. Toss-up, cool. sure. Yeah. Um, I think Jalen Hurts looks okay, but he he does – he makes a lot of rookie mistakes. Yeah. And what happens to him, as much as I hate to bring this up, but, like, it's the same things that happen to Carson Wentz. He's got no time. Receivers – don't get open. Now, he's got the benefit of Devontae Smith, who's a much better – it's clearly he's a much better receiver. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but this kid can play ball. Mm-hmm. And it amazes me to see rookies come into the NFL and perform as well as he's performing. Now, I know I'm saying this. He's definitely breaking his leg this Sunday. Oh, don't, There's no oh doubt about God. it. There's no doubt about it. Oh, my God, dude. But he can play, man, and he's a difference maker immediately. But it's it's – the issue is this line. They just cannot protect your quarterback. Yeah. And when you don't give your quarterback enough time to make a decent decision, it's going to be it's tough over. to win games. Yeah. yeah, you can't win. Yeah. But their defense is atrocious, right? Their defense I mean, they're is giving lot. up a lot of points, not yeah. just to Kansas City, and they're they're just not. Let's see. They're not very tough to play against. 30. Well, their defense is bad, and their offense is young, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not scoring. They're not going to outscore a bad defense. <clears throat> so. True. 
Yeah, so maybe it's uh, one in 15. Whew. They'll win more than one. Yeah. I, it's their what's defense, it looking like? Their a defense four, needs four or five win season? Is that where you're where I'm at, landing? I'm at, I'm at six. Okay. I think they'll win six. Sad state of affairs. Yeah. On Broad yeah. Street. How the uh, Sixers preseason going? How's it going? I haven't watched the game. Okay. <laughs> Mike <laughs> Flyers hasn't preseason. Played. Yeah, they have one more game, and then they start next week. Um, you know, it's not a lot of storylines out of it other than, you know, maybe Morgan Frost was supposed to make the team, and he's going to start in the minors. Is he goalie? No, he's a forward. Okay. Carter Hart's been, been you know, fine. He looks fine. He's not, he's not looking anywhere near as bad as he looked last year. They, they just have a completely different look, which is good. Um, so it's I think it's going to be interesting to see if they're – Taking a big step, they're, they're going to take a big step compared to last year. Last year wasn't like unusually bad year, given who they have. They they, they can't possibly be that bad again this year. God, I hope you're I hope you're right. So, <laughs> yeah, because a lot of your Flyers predictions in the beginning of the season, one eighty towards the end of the season. Yeah, they fell apart. They they completely, you know, melted down. So the, I think they'll be I think they'll be okay. Some most Philadelphia sports teams guilty of such outcomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I guess the Eagles might not even have the opportunity to melt down because they just might be down bad, <laughs> just just bad. <laughs> Which and the I penalties can... too. But back to the Eagles, it's incredible how dumb these players are. These are not like you know these are just mental. Yeah. Errors, which yeah. which kills you. I mean, and I feel like this team has been in that guilty of that for a lot of years now. For some reason, I, I don't know. They seem to be one of the more. Maybe they're not. I've not looked it up. I, like, are they one of the more penalized teams in the league? Not sure. Yeah. It would have been a great stat to bring to the pod. Yeah. All right, maybe <laughs> next week. The coach's corner article is Michael Kitsis uh, picks his moment to demand the SEC close two giant faux RIA loopholes, the hat switching hybrid advisor and the wirehouse financial advisor. Um, this was from RIABiz.com and it's written by Lisa Scheider. <clears throat> Lisa's article summarizes the efforts of Michael Kitsis, who has filed two petitions for rulemaking in the financial services industry with the SEC. First, he would like financial planning titles of any kind to automatically trigger a fiduciary registration. And secondly, he wants the term investment counsel to be clarified because he believes wirehouses, think of Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley, use the term for its salespeople um, as opposed to financial advisors. So I guess generally we're just working on trying to make titles and regulatory standards um, more obvious to consumers is that like the the ultimate goal? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the the assumption here is that he believes that this is this is going to help clarify what the 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 financial professional that you're dealing with actually does, and maybe more specifically like how they're paid, and mm-hmm. yeah, whether they're selling products for a commission versus yeah, just giving call it somewhat unconflicted advice or something but and i think you can argue whether that it's even going to matter matter, um but it's true i mean the the 
broker type who's selling proprietary products from, say, out of Morgan Stanley or wherever, um, and getting paid for for the product sale, they're perfectly they're they're out there calling themselves financial advisors, and a lot of actual advisors maybe take exception to that. Um, and Kitsis wants them to be like very clear to say, I am a salesperson. I'm not an advisor. I'm selling you a product. I'm not, I'm not actually giving you any advice in a sense. Yeah. I think that I would take a step back and try to discuss like, why are we even here? Like, why are we talking about this? It's because there's so many different people in our industry that claim to be doing financial planning or claim to be giving investment advice. And the general public has no idea the distinction between the two and who's giving that advice, right? So I can be, I can be a life insurance agent working for a life insurance agency, but that agency also has a broker dealer attached to it so I can sell investment products too if I'm licensed to do that. And like that would be like a Northwestern Mutual agent is a, is a perfect example. We're yeah. a mass mutual agent. Like I was talking to a couple over the weekend and, and they say they, they were telling me about, oh, well, our, our advisor. I'm like, and it's, and like I could tell by what they were telling me. I'm like, it sounds like you're working with maybe like a, like an insurance salesman. Oh, no, no. Well, I mean, it's mass mutual. I'm like, that's an insurance salesman. Right. So I don't think the general public really understands that you can be an insurance salesman that's also licensed to sell investment advice or investment products. And what does that mean? Well, it means that that person gets compensated by selling a product, whether it be a life insurance product, whether it be a mutual fund, whether it be a stock. And they're calling themselves financial advisors. Number one, I would say they're not a financial advisor. They're a product salesman. Can they be giving financial advice? Yes. But the way that they're structured, it doesn't, that financial advice doesn't have to be in your interest ahead of them. And that gets us to the fiduciary rule and the fiduciary standard, which should be the standard if anyone is giving investment or financial advice to anyone, in my opinion. Well, and in Michael's opinion, yep. right? That's what he's trying to. You should have efforts. to make recommendations that are in your client's interest ahead of yours. And you should have to disclose to them how you are compensated and if there's any conflicts of interest. Now, Michael, I don't think he goes that deep, but that's what I would like to see. Because I, just because you're held to the fiduciary standard, right, if you're a CFP or if you're held in another way, doesn't mean that you're, you're automatically working with someone who's got your best interest at heart. I would hope to believe that, but it's not true, sure. right? Uh, but it definitely creates another layer of education and experience that you have to achieve before you can be held to the fiduciary standard. It's going to discourage something. Like if I have to sit for a CFP exam, that's eight modules plus a two-day exam or, a, or, a, or, or an eight-hour exam that only 50% of the people pass. Well, that's going to eliminate some people that, that may not put your interests ahead of theirs. But I mean, even the, the CFP itself, while it's very useful and you know important, I think for someone to go through that and and have that you know body of knowledge that demonstrate that you like 
have mastered, I'll say. There's so many CFPs out there that are operating very far away from the fiduciary standard. Sure. And, it's, and it's kind of weird to me because I would have expected that the CFP board itself would in some way police that better. Or there'd be some some repercussions for someone going out there and, you know, putting on their broker broker hat as a CFP, which happens all the time. Yeah, and I think like that's part of the you know, the discussion we have a lot about the the CFP actually meaning more, right? We're being held to a professional standard that's equivalent to right a doctor or a lawyer. And I'm not sure I believe that necessarily, but it's for me, it's I mean, in your explanation, Jeff, which to me was very clear to somebody who's not to a consumer, I mean, the words that you used are completely foreign. Yeah. And the distinction that people are expected to be able to draw themselves from an, an insurance agent versus a CFP who works for an insurance company versus an RIA. What's an RIA? Like. It's impossible. This industry is built on confusion. And, you know, I I admire Kitsis's efforts. Obviously, we know that he's a lot of things, but he's been pounding the drum on this element of the, the fiduciary standard and, you know, the CFP and what it should be for, I think, as long as he's yeah. been in the industry. But I don't see how it's just so muddy. Like, I don't want to say like it's not worth the effort because I, I have to believe that, that it will be eventually, but we're not close. And I don't know how these two things at the SEC level, which so few consumers are, I mean, no one's going to the SEC website to determine, right? Like, does my financial advisor actually adhere to these two particular and very specific rules you know it's just it, it it's way too convoluted yeah but it's funny you're right i mean we run into people all the time that are talking about oh well, i um i asked my accountant about investment advice like they they'll some people just think an accountant is someone who is capable of delivering you know yep. investment advice and 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 financial planning kind of topics or my insurance person like one i would my advice would be the only thing you should ever buy from an insurance rep is insurance. Right. Period. And the only thing term you should, insurance. Yeah. And the only <laughs> thing you should do with a with a with an accountant or a CPA is tax related. Period. Right. That's it. And and for people to think that those just because they're tangentially involved in the financial you know service I like that word. Wow. Oh my God. I, I mean, I have to Google it. I yeah. don't even like know what the peripherally hell that like. Yeah. 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 It's probably not a word. But what does you, peripherally you know mean? Like on the same like line, but not the same thing. Can you say that again? Tangentially, <laughs> vocab. Um, anyway, so stupid. <laughs> I know. Like we just went on like a, a minute yeah. tangent because Mike used a word that you and I have never heard. Jeff and I just looked at each other. What? <laughs> but anyway, the people that there are plenty of people who who aren't even close to um, having the understanding of of even a level down to, to you know with who does what in in this business. Yeah, Meg, you said it great. I mean, it's muddy. It's very muddy. And Mike, I think you you summarized it well. Like, just buy insurance from your insurance person. Just do your taxes with your accountant. Um, if you have an investment person, just talk about your investments. But I think that's where it gets even muddier yeah. because 
you should have a financial planner that helps you oversee all of those decisions because the financial planner, if they're fee-based, fee or I'm sorry, fee only, and if they're fiduciaries, they don't they don't get paid if you buy insurance. So they're gonna recommend that you get term insurance if you're 40 years old and you have three kids because that's what's make is what makes sense for you. Yeah. Um, they're gonna have some insight into your taxes and they're gonna have some insight into your investment plan. So when the broker, the guy or gal that just sells commissionable investment products recommends you buy a fund with a 1.25% expense ratio, you're gonna say, whoa, absolutely not. Let me explain to you why. So you can have all these other people that implement the stuff for you, but you should absolutely have someone that has no interest in the compensation being paid unless you're paying them directly as a fee to like kind of consult on, hey, this is what I'm doing with all these people. Are, are these the right moves? Yeah. Agreed. But then what you're going to find out is you can just use that financial planner to do all of that for you. <laughs> right. To do all of it for you. Yeah. And it'll probably be cheaper, right? You won't have to pay the commissionable product. You won't have to right. do this. You won't have to do that. It's so muddy. And I, yeah. and I, you saying to me just now, like Jeff, the way you explained it, like is absolutely confusing. It, it breaks my heart. <laughs> I, 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 I feel horrible. We just walked out of a meeting with clients in their, in their forties and fifties. And you can see the confusion on their faces when we get to some topics, because this is such a muddy industry, unless, unless you, one or or both of the people in the family that are dealing with this are somewhat involved, are paying attention, are reading, are trying to educate themselves, have some background in it. Because if they don't, which is a lot of people, they're lost, man. And then add on top of that, right? Not even just like the basic understanding of my personal financial plan, but then what is the motivation of the person giving me advice? Like it, it just, it's outside people's realm of like, of, of thinking, right? Like I need help with these things. I don't know enough to know exactly what I need help with, but I know that I need guidance on my 401k. I know that I need to think about college. But like for that, for the people we just met with, for a lot of people, that's where it stops. Thinking about who I get that advice from and how that those people are compensated, it's just like, oh my, it's one more thing that they have to sort through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's if we if I talk to the client or or the prospective client, I'm saying, yep, you need you need to go get some life insurance. They're gonna ah, no problem. My my, my brother-in-law <laughs> is, is is a life guy. Okay, so then, well, don't do that because you're gonna go talk to your. I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you can go talk to your brother-in-law about the insurance that you should buy, and then he may be like, well, let me take a look at your yeah. 401k, and like, <laughs> yeah, and then I got some C shares to sell you. Right. It's it gets it gets my. I think if you don't understand the difference between these terms, RIA broker, hybrid, life insurance agent. Like if you don't know, you know, um, investment advisor, uh, if you don't know the difference between those, you need to talk to someone who can explain it to you or find that information and understand that before you engage people. If you're looking for somebody who's doing it the way we're describing, and I guess this is maybe too blanket, like NAPFA, right? Like, is that a fair place to start? (sighs) <laughs> I, I hesitate to say yes because well we know it's not the CFP board and we no. know it's not a Google search no 
It's not a Google. It's not the CFP. NAPFA, you're going to find fee-only advisors, but they just may not have... Just because they're NAPFA doesn't mean they're CFPs. Doesn't mean they have a background. I mean, they're. I've met a lot of NAPFA people that are just hourly. Yeah, come on in. Like, you, you want to know if you should do a Roth conversion? It's uh, 150 an hour. It's like. I'm just trying to give people one place to start. Our six listeners. It's a great point, man. <laughs> you should start at NAPFA.org. N A P F A dot O R G. All right. Well, all right. We'll move on. <laughs> to uh, Pandora Papers, a money bomb with political ripples. The most dramatic. (laughs) This was an article in the New York Times written by Rick Gladstone. Revelations from nearly 12 million leaked confidential financial records have thrown light on the concealed wealth of powerful public figures around the world. How do they hide their money and why is this information important? Is this information important? I mean, I don't want to sound like a super white entitled American, but there's wealthy people all over the world. Uh, The King of Jordan, I think, was in the article. Vladimir Putin. I mean, there's, there's people all over that are legally hiding money or legally, I'm air quoting, legally buying properties to avoid heavy taxation and their identity to owning these properties or having these assets. Do we really care about that? Who cares? Well, I care more about the the, the leaking of, of this stuff. And it's also the same issue with the IRS leak, somebody within the IRS leaking the tax returns of Bezos and those guys a, a little while back. Um, that's way more disturbing to me that there's this active effort amongst whomever to to commit crimes essentially to I mean, you know whoever out of the IRS leaked that that stuff that's criminal and this is no different I think I mean they're they're spending their time these whoever it is trying to you know destroy people and out people and for the most part I'm guessing that there's not a lot of illegality going on. They're just abiding by change the tax. If everyone's up in arms about it, then do something about the tax code. These, these things are just, and it's been, Jeff, your point, it's been going on forever. This didn't just start happening. But just because it's been going on forever doesn't mean it's okay. But I just don't see what's wrong it with is okay. it. Well, yeah, it's okay. It is okay. What the, the issue people have is that the only people who can take advantage of these loopholes are the ultra ultra wealthy right so it just it comes back to the wealth gap and the income gap and the fact that the richest people in the world don't deserve to be richer right but But like they're not doing anything illegal they're taking advantage of a system that affords them the ability to to do these things It, it it this comes from 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 that side of it like the, the common person can't hide money because they don't have any money to hide. <laughs> right. And the common person doesn't sit in VIP or courtside. Like, right. get over it. I don't sit courtside. Right. I don't, v- I don't get bottle service. Like, right. I don't bitch about it. And and for the, for the attorneys and accountants who know all of the ins and outs of how to do this, um, because this is their living, I mean, they make a 
they get paid a ton of money to do this on behalf of the wealthy people because yes. they, they couldn't do it otherwise. You need the people to know you know, all the plumbing and all the rules and all the all the havens to take advantage and minimize your tax obligation, which is, I mean, who wouldn't who wouldn't take advantage of that if you were in that position? Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's where I kind of get a little. If you're doing things to avoid paying taxes, look, if it's legal, I guess it's fine. You know, you think of like the Warren Buffetts of the world, right? So he's now he's an extreme example. But he doesn't pay himself a $10 million salary because if he did, he would owe tax on $10 million, mm-hmm. right? So instead, he takes like dividends from stock that he owns in Berkshire Hathaway, which are taxed differently. Or he does something like that, I'm assuming. But he's a bad example because I, I, would, I, would <laughs> I would imagine his, his, um, his lifestyle is Probably fairly modest. Talk okay, about Bezos. Let's, let's say CEO. Bezos doesn't Bezos. pay himself a salary. Yeah. He, he he lives off of his Amazon holdings and whatever else he's got. And he, we talked about the buy, borrow, die strategy, where you can you don't even have to sell the stock to raise cash. You can just borrow against it. And that's what a lot of those people do. They um they just leverage their incredibly enormous equity holdings in their company and they, that's their and it's fine like, I, and that's I'm okay sure, i'm sure bezos when he was coming up and 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 not where he is now was probably paying a lot in taxes i'm sure amazon employs a lot of people that make like six figures more or more that pay a lot of money in taxes mm-hmm. so it's it's it ends up being a wash to me if you get to the point where you're ultra wealthy and now you're able to manipulate your holdings or your assets in a way that you don't pay a lot in taxes Good on you, man. I just, yeah, I think if it's if it's legal, I have no problem with it. And in fact, I would say you're kind of you're you're kind of stupid if you don't take advantage of it. Like, why would you want to pay? I mean, if you hey, if you want to write a check to the IRS every year, and which you can, there's a line on the form to give more <laughs> to make so, a donation. Yeah, then then have at it. But I mean. I would, I would think that most people are going to just take advantage of the rules that are in place and try to minimize your taxes. Everybody should be doing that. I, I agree completely. I think the element here that also adds a layer of like cause for concern, if you will, is that it's like it's world leaders, right? And it's, it's the political element of it. And it just mm-hmm. fuels this fire that all of our governments, all of our agencies here and across the world are, are corrupt. Even though we're... It's very clear that what they're doing is not illegal. Right. So, like, can you be corrupt if you're taking part in a in a legal action? I, no, but I think it's just it's it's the narrative, right? It's the way that we've perpetuated this. Like, governments are corrupt because rich people are avoiding taxes. <laughs> like, right. do you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's oversimplified, but this is a story that you know it comes on Twitter and you read a headline and everybody just doesn't understand. Like, if you read this headline. <laughs> It looks bad. It looks just the words. Yeah. You know, like a money bomb with political ripples. (laughs) Like you're assuming that someone's doing something illegal. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you decide to read, you know, two to to three sentences, you realize it's not. Right. But it's just, it's the way that we frame these things that it's, you know, it's, it's all of the social elements and then it's the political like, oh, our leaders are corrupt and... You know, who do we trust? Do you believe the Prince of Jordan has a house that he owns in the French Riviera that's owned by Company A and uh, he's a controller of Company C? Right. Like, 
like Vladimir Putin bought a property for a, his mistress yeah. who had his kid, and I was like, I mean, okay, how about you know how much that kid probably cost him, dude? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. How about like why is Nancy Pelosi trading stocks and options and futures in gigantic amounts of uh, at a time in her position? I mean, why? any person who's in Congress, anybody, exactly. I, I mean, wh why isn't that like being? I mean, I know it's being talked about, and it's yeah. news, and it's a story, but but it doesn't have a stupid name like Pandora's Papers, <laughs> right? Which I didn't even know. They said it's a follow up to Panama's Papers, and I was like, "What was Panama's Papers?" Yeah, I forgot about. I forgot yeah. about so Panama's many papers. papers. <laughs> a lot of papers. Uh, all right, let's go to something a bit lighter. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, why homed cook food never tastes like restaurant food? <laughs> How did we get on this? Well, I think I asked you guys. Do you believe that meals that you prepare yourself taste better than someone else preparing? It doesn't even have to be a restaurant. Yeah. And I think, Jeff, you said absolutely yes, 100%. And I think I, I feel maybe the opposite. So I may be a little different on that because I'm not a big salt guy. I don't like salt. I don't like it. And, and when, when, when you go out to a restaurant, which this article talks about, yeah. they oversalt everything. When I say I don't like salt, like I don't put salt on anything. They don't oversalt. They appropriately salt. Maybe. Maybe. But like I, you I, under season. I make eggs with toast. I don't butter the toast and I don't put salt yeah. on the eggs. Well, like it's crazy. Just, <laughs> right? That's so, not enjoyable. You make those decisions for health reasons sure. and you've convinced yourself that they taste good. Probably. Well, I'm just so used to it that it, I, I can't. I can't have it. Like, like I don't drink coffee with sugar in it. So if I put a little bit of sugar in, like I notice it immediately, and it gets to a point if it's too much, like I just don't even like it. Right. Right. Whereas, like, I've seen people in front of me at Dunkin' get just, like a like. Can I get 16 Splendors? And I'm like, oh my god. Um, so oversalting is is a, is a no for me. Um, but like I, I think I may have mentioned, I don't have a whole lot of dishes in my repertoire, <laughs> right? So I have a few that I do, and I've I've done them so much that I've got them to a point where I really enjoy them. I don't know if you'd eat my like chicken fried rice and be like, "Wow, that's so much better than Azuka's." No, you probably nothing's would, better than right? Azuka's. <laughs> I unequivocally enjoy food that is prepared for me. <laughs> more than food I prepare. And that's only because I dislike preparing food. Like you could serve me my least, like the dish I like the least, and I would probably enjoy it more than something I cooked for myself because I don't enjoy the process of going food shopping and looking at a recipe and preparing something. I'm not patient. Like, I want the quickest, easiest way to do th something. I don't like letting things, like, saute or, like, soften. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just want the cooking process to be done. Like, when you're you're supposed to fold stuff? <laughs> right. It's like, like, I just mix it. But right. it's like a method of mixing it that's called folding. Like, fold the egg into, like, what? Right. So I made chocolate chip cookie bars last night, and you were supposed to put the dry ingredients in one bowl and the wet ingredients in another bowl. Why would I dirty two bowls? Right. All ingredients go in one bowl. So that's just how I think about food preparation. But like if someone is making food for me, I'll eat your chicken fried rice. Sure. 
I'll go to Azuka and enjoy that chicken fried rice. Like, I love food being prepared for me exponentially more than preparing it myself. I like home-cooked meals probably more than out meals because there is they're, they're, they're not as rich as when you go out and eat because it, I like my food to be a little more bland than overly... Because you can always add salt. But if I want right. some, I can always just salt and pepper to my to my taste. But it's the salt element is the is it being in every layer of what you've done. Right. Like you getting a dish at the restaurant and adding salt on top is far different from them salting the salting the onions and then salting the meat and then salt like yeah. there's that's what they were talking about in this article. Like yeah. obviously they're professionals and we're not. Right. So there's there's that part of it too, right? There's just the knowledge and experience that people at restaurants bring that can make a, a burger taste better than any burger you've ever made. Right. What um did you guys have any takeaways from the, like anything that you're like now? This article was written in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I I actually like really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything like you you took away from it that you didn't really expect to take away from it? Um, I don't think I was surprised about like the salt and then the like equipment. I mean, like when they were when when the when the um author was just describing everything about a restaurant that I already knew, but reading it all in one, it's like there's a team. And mm-hmm. God, I forgot about that. Like there's people that cut the vegetables, then people that cook the vegetables, then someone else who cooks the steak. And by the way, they use broth, and they have, like, I think the one thing they talk like they have their their ovens are on like five hundred yeah. like, constantly because they gotta cook stuff fast to churn out a lot of stuff. But like, I I have to wait like I wait like a, like forty five minutes for my oven to get to five hundred, and it, <laughs> I don't even get it there because I'm impatient. Like you, right. like, I'll just put it in at three fifty. Right. Like it's cr- like the the amount that goes into it, I, I didn't fully understand the gravity of it until I read it all in one place here. I may be a little less quick to like go after my, my, the chef, the food preparer or the food preparer, uh, after reading this. And also I didn't even, I I never even thought of shallots. I love shallots. It didn't even dawn on me to use them instead of like onions or garlic. Yeah. They're, an onion flavor from the garlic family. Uh, they're not even in my oh, in my they're methodology. In, yeah, they're they're definitely in mine, but that's I mean, they're just the bomb. You gotta add shallots. Just replace. so would you do a shallot instead of an onion or yeah. a garlic? I would still do garlic because I love garlic, but I would definitely do a shallot instead of an onion. Okay. All right. No takeaways, Mike. You're just no. Re- no, I don't. I don't get. Like you start talking about shallots, and, <laughs> you know the garlic family and stuff. I don't. I'm out. They they make stocks with like bones in them. Like you can't compete with that. You I don't can't compete like, with that. You could make I a stock. Know. I can't make a stock. Yes, you can. I, I don't think so. Stock is water. It's mirepoix and it's bones, and you just let it sit. Yeah, I mean, I just don't have time to like let it sit. Yeah, I'm not a. I, I do not enjoy the cooking mm-hmm. part of it. Other than I'm I'm fine with grill and fire. Mm-hmm. Like that that's fine. I can I'll do that every day if I had to. 
but like baking or sauteing stuff like I'm, I'm out on that stuff like the, the the indoor kitchen part of it I'm, I'm out baking is difficult because it's science right like the measurements in baking are precise I enjoy cooking more than baking because you can mess up and it doesn't throw everything off. But like I've added like a taste a tablespoon of salt instead of a teaspoon of salt to brownies and you're done. Done. Like the brownie batter looks amazing, but it is just salt. Yeah. It is so like I think that I feel more comfortable cooking because I don't feel as though I can mess everything up and that makes me a little bit more confident baking. Oh my god. I made cookies and there was flour all over my kitchen, everywhere. Uh, it makes you appreciate someone who knows how to bake. Yeah. My buddy's wife, she's a baker. She'll not like a real baker, but she bakes. Yeah. So she'll come over like every time we're having a party and she comes over, I got dessert. And like you're talking home cooked Ugh. oatmeal raisin cookies. I mean, they're just, I mean, it's so good. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the cooking process. I don't. Like, so we'll do like, we'll, we'll cook up some steaks, we'll do some potatoes, we'll do some sprouts. And I'd like to spend a lot of time on the sprouts. Like I want, I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing, I'm baking, I'm sauteing bacon and onion. I'm then putting the sprouts in, we're, we're, we're seasoning, we're adding brown sugar, we're adding, we're finishing off with pine nuts. Like I enjoy it. What I don't like is I'm doing that, but I'm also like, I got the steaks on the grill and I'm putting Ooh. the potato... So Time if I hard. was just cooking the sprouts, I would enjoy that way more. Whereas now the way I do it, it's a stressful process. Yeah. And timing's hard. Yeah. Very, very. Timing is the is the hardest part. Yeah. Like knowing when to start certain things so everything is relatively hot at the same time mm -hmm. is just, it's a complete shot in the dark for me. I'm so, like, okay, I'm going to estimate how long this is going to take. Never remotely accurate. I overcooked the chicken or I undercooked the asparagus. Like it's Yeah. That's why there's professionals who do it, I guess. Yeah, or you just you need a team, man. You need you need a team. <laughs> Somebody's gotta be on the sprouts, someone else is on the steaks. <laughs> it's just not realistic. Yeah. All right. Good on cooking. I'm so hungry right now. I know, I can't <laughs> wait to eat lunch. Um top five characters in a comedy and we're going to limit it to movies specifically okay i don't think mine are very good so if you guys want i'll go first all right yeah i might we, we might have some overlap even though there's so many it's a long list to pick from but i i, I struggled i really yeah. did um i think as meg said i was talking to her earlier i think i was overthinking it <clears throat> i'll go with um Jack Black in Jumanji hmm. was it wasn't what just a fantastic character. He traded bodies, so he was like a girl, okay. okay, like a cheerleader in high school, and he 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 was so funny to watch in that. Um, Lumberg from Office Space, good one. Mm -hmm. I thought he was a good character. Mm -hmm. I don't know his first name. I don't know this guy's name in the movie, but Albert Brooks. Uh, played the father-in-law in This Is 40. Oh. So Paul Rudd's Paul dad, Rudd's dad, yeah, who 40. marries the younger woman yeah. and has the young kids. <laughs> he, cracked, yeah. he cracked me up in that movie. Always yeah, asking that's a for good money. one. That's a good one. Um, Clark Griswold. Yeah, mm -hmm. good one. And then um, 
Sandy Lyle. Oh my God, he was on my list. Oh, uh, was he really from yeah. Along Came Polly? Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I don't think you ever. I didn't. I didn't think you ever saw that movie. Along Came Polly. Yeah. White chocolate. Yeah. It's yeah. like <laughs> iconic that scene. Oh, I I'm thought sorry. that was gonna I be mine. I didn't think anyone would have. I thought that was a bad one. I didn't think anyone would have. No, it's that, so good. No overlap. R.I.P. No overlap for me. Well, I have like seven extras, so yeah. I'll find somewhere else to go. You want to uh, go? I'll, I'll go. Um, I'm going. Yeah. You know, Alan from from the hang Zach mm-hmm. Galifianakis and mm-hmm. Hangover kind of, <laughs> kind of Captain Obvious in a way but um, I got Billy Ray Valentine Eddie Murphy in Trading Places it's a good one mm-hmm. um, got Erwin Fletcher I know the name, but what's from it from? Fletch, Cherry Chase oh. Oh. <laughs> that was his actual name that's a great one that's a great one uh, I've got can I borrow your towel? <laughs> Hit a buffalo. I got Frank Drebin. <laughs> I was I was gonna put him on Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun, the mm. Naked Gun mm. uh, series. And then finally, I've got Robert Downey Jr. as Kirk Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, that's a in good Tropic one. Thunder. I wasn't sure if that would be too problematic, considering he was in blackface the whole time. <laughs> I've never I mean, seen hey, it. No, he's it awesome. Now, but it was a great. I was, I was you have to watch that. I still can't believe you haven't I'm seen right, that. Yeah, I've seen um. All right. I got uh, Gloria. I think her name's Isla Fisher from Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn's. Yeah. Um, I will. Girl. <laughs> yeah. Lady? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, Steve Carell in Forty Year Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. I think he's like that role is so good. It's so cringy. Like I can't get out of my brain. Like the scene where he's like packing up all of his action figures. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Um, Derek Zoolander, Ben okay. Stiller. I thought about throwing that off. I mean, it's a great one. Um, I have Prince Akeem, so Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. That might be my favorite role of really? his. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you also give him credit for the other, the other like two or did? three yeah, people like he played? The barbershop stuff. I mean, I like that yeah. character best, but yeah, I think the fact that he was in yeah. he was multiple people makes it even better. Um. I mean, can we do this without Stifler? I don't think so. I think he's got to be yeah. included in some. I'll go Stifler okay. since you took Sandy Lyle from I'm me. I'm sorry. It's okay. Was that five? One, two, I think so. three, four, five. Yeah. So Fogel didn't make anybody's list. Was that was it even like honorable mention for anybody? McLovin? Fogel? Yeah. I had... Um, I had uh, what's his, what's their faces? Bill Hader and Seth Rogen, the cops. I think they're <laughs> that, funnier. Yeah. Um, and I, if I had to give one of the boys in Super Bad, I'd probably go Seth. Okay. Over McLovin. I, I agree. Yeah. I think McLovin was not like, was he in enough scenes? I mean, maybe he was. I don't know that you have to be in a ton of scenes, but like he just was. He was like the dumb person like I, I like his storyline was funny was the character actually right, funny maybe not. Yeah. does that make sense could could ted have made anybody's list oh <laughs> that's a good one he was yeah he was one of my honorable mentions and i loved um what was mark Wahlberg's mark Wahlberg, character yeah. in that movie as well I mean, he was just like hysterical we had no um greg fokker i thought about fokker mm-hmm. yeah or actually de niro de niro yeah yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. 
Thanks for listening. See ya. See you on 59.